Eight clubs make it to the coveted playoffs in which they fight for a shot at glory and destiny. The Bombers are looking to snap a losing streak as the days and years add up. GWS have come from the grave after a horror year of injuries. Sydney have ascended quicker than even they themselves couldn't have dreamed. The wounded dogs have been on top all year, but faltered out of the four late. Brisbane look to avenge a gilded opportunity of 2020. The Cats couldn't get it done in the grand final last year, but have they snapped their finals woes? Port Adelaide finished strong and have taken the comp by surprise. After grand final humiliation, can they rise to the ultimate redemption? And the Demons have their own destiny in their hands and look to repay their long-suffering fans. This is Finals 2021. I'm glad to welcome all of my co-hosts this week. Chuck, welcome. Oh, it's really good to be here again this week. Tiz, uh, hello to you also. Hello, everyone. Good to, good to be back and here in the studio. Absolutely. And Shorty, after listening to you virtually all year, it's good to finally hear you live virtually. Hello, gents. Yeah, just uh, Mr. September, I guess. <laughs> uh, it just comes out when the, uh, the real stuff starts happening. But no, it's good to have <laughs> us all together again. Obviously, a massive finals week uh, and just general matchups having happening uh, all throughout the next month or so we've got a couple of uh, discussion topics to talk about and we'll get straight into our previews but obviously the big talking point that uh, came out over the last week was the no pre-finals buy discussion and as some key injuries happen to teams and players around the league it's an interesting discussion point shorty that the uh, pre-finals buy is no longer here yeah mate uh you probably well know my thoughts on the pre-finals buy. I never liked it and still don't. And glad to see it's gone. So I'm hoping that uh, from now on, it's probably fixed in just like normal, I guess, that we don't have it. Um, I mean, of course, we'll have it at some stage this year and it might be necessary with quarantine, et cetera, that type of deal. Um, but I think moving forward, I'd like to see it not involved. I think it uh, goes against the advantage that top four gives you. Yeah, it's certainly one of the main and strongest points to come of uh, that discussion. But um, Chuck, has it hurt or helped any clubs so far from this decision? I'm not too sure that there's too many teams that would be hating severely on it. I think obviously Geelong potentially with, you know, Zach Tui, I think is still on the cusp, not likely back just yet. Um, but uh, there's a few other teams out there that might want a little bit of a break but I don't think it hurts anyone too badly or when it comes to maybe helping teams I think it definitely helps the teams with momentum like the Bombers and the Giants at the moment who have been you know looking pretty impressive Um, they're probably going to take in you know a a lot of confidence into the first week of finals and that might particularly help them a fair bit I reckon Tiz. Yeah nice I reckon Definitely, if you're a top four side winning week one, um, you're playing one game in three weeks. I've obviously mentioned that a few times, and that's a severe disadvantage. Uh, again, as Shorty says, to the top four sides that play all these games to feature up the top, and then all of a sudden uh, they almost get leveled out essentially with the the entire eight being on a level playing field, which it shouldn't be. And you get sides that you know they rest players, uh, I suppose, that have done all the hard work in the lead up to finals, and. Yeah, I, I think Ross Lyon might have 
maybe enabled it a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm glad to see it not around at the meantime. And I, I think the final system from 2015 previous was fine and never had to be changed, but uh, that's whatever keeps them happy, I guess. And the grand final is still slated to be on the 25th of September. So there is a floating week, obviously. So I guess it's good to have that week up our sleeves in case there is any COVID issues caused during finals because we certainly don't want any games being shuffled around already as on top of what they already have been. Do you think the grand final short will be brought forward or will, will they have to try and fit a buy-in somewhere? Oh, I reckon they'll stay as is. I think we'll probably see a buy in between the, the prelim and the grand final or after the prelim. So just from what I'm hearing is that it'll probably stay like that. And there was probably quite a few bits and pieces in place already for the granny, I would imagine. So yeah, I'm happy with that. I think, uh, but like you say, probably having it up the sleeve. We'll just never quite know when we need a, a little free week up our hand though, because it is pretty unpredictable at the moment. Do we want to buy it all? I, I think that would be crazy having to wait a week between prelim and grand final week. That would, especially if your side's in it, that'd be the longest it, week of your life. Is it to do with the necessary quarantine when heading to Perth, which looks likely? Is that why? It, it, I think <laughs> that would be the only reason. Yeah, sure. I think they're just holding it just in case something were to happen. Like, say, an outbreak happens in Perth or anywhere around Australia then they have that week up their sleeve to hope for, for a better day coming up rather than playing it with no crowds and, and none of that sort of nonsense. All I really want to know is, is if I'll be able to, to get together in a house with a bunch of mates and, and sink some piss and watch the granny. That's all I want. <laughs> my goodness. I need. Just That's the, the That's true spirit of grand final week, Chuck. Yeah, it's certainly a, a discussion point, but hopefully it's not a discussion we have to have until it actually happens and sort of we'll cross that bridge when we get there. So the next main talking point is obviously with the COVID chaos, as we've experienced over the last couple of years, Tasmania has come to the aid of the finals and will host its first ever finals in the state with two games scheduled over the weekend. And there's been a big discussion about Tasmanian uh, relations and investment in the last couple of weeks. And Tiz, is this good for the state itself? It can only be good, surely. Absolutely. It's been 12 yeah. games so far this year and obviously you know, two finals so far and, uh, you know, potentially another final or two the week after all pending on uh, COVID and government regulations. But yeah, look, it's been huge. It's been, been a big success. We, we saw a bunch of Bombers fans, you know, bob up, uh, I think when they were playing the Hawks and they might've been there in a previous game as well. So no, I think it, it's absolutely great for their, I suppose, chance to try and get a Tassie team going as well, which will be you know, hugely beneficial for, players that play, you know, footy in Tassie and trying to get that let leap into the the next level, which obviously is the AFL. So um, they'll be absolutely massive. And thank, thank goodness for Tassie, they were able to uh, help us uh, in a big way. Oh, I feel like they were always going to try and help out. But if it really kind of, it doesn't create that momentum to go, all right, we've got to bring in a Tassie side because they're helping us out sort of thing. It's It's almost like, when the workers all go on strike in the business demanding a, a you know twenty dollar an hour raise or something and and the boss just goes, you know what guys, here's this, I'll give you an extra 15 minute unpaid lunch break. How about that? And they all accept it. Like Tazzy's just getting all they could get here, I reckon. Uh, 
Chooks just bringing union disputes into the AFL discussion, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's certainly a, a decent analogy. Short, it's um, it's probably like I said, only only a good thing for the state, but maybe just a good one-off just to see some some games of footy happening in a in an alternate venue. Yeah, yeah, I guess like Chook says, probably uh, separate to the overall get them a team sort of thing, which they just need to hurry up and give them a team because I think it's leading to that but gee we're taking our time but yeah i think they're just playing their part aren't they is uh we need places to play footy and look uh david king has mentioned this a few times uh not sure there's always a great standard or spectacle of footy at tassie but mm. i'm happy that they've got some games you know it could be blowing an absolute gale to one end and footy is different down there you know i'm all for them having a team but Gee, David King is <laughs> smacking around filthy. a little bit. Yeah. He isn't exactly um, looking forward to watching Tassie footy in the final. No. <laughs> I almost feel like it's a return to that sort of local footy atmosphere. You know, it's not all closed off in a big stadium sort of thing. It's almost back to the roots sort of footy. You know, there's a breeze that actually matters in, mm. in, in this footy mm. in Tassie. And, and, you Which know, is what Geelong used to have. Yeah. 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 And it, it, it's pretty exciting, I reckon. Um, just the final teams atmosphere there, uh, Shorty, the argument. I sounded like you almost feel like Tassie should just get a team already. I feel like we've only just recovered from the dilution that happened to the draft pool when Giants and Suns entered. We're finally recovering a bit and bringing another team. Well, you probably need to bring in two teams if you're going to bring in Tassie. And mm. I feel mm. like we would just be even heavy, heavier diluted and there'd be teams at the bottom screaming out, what the heck have you done? Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm not saying bring them in next year, but just just give them the all clear. You know, say you get the team, here's our plan. You know, they might not actually officially come in for four or five years potentially, but I just feel like my my thought has always been that they deserve a team and they should have one. So I just think, you know, you don't have to go crazy and chuck them in in 2023, but just give them that all clear, get a bit of a game plan going. And you're probably right. 20 might be necessary. Um, and I do fear a little bit on the dilution as well, but you know, we do want a national competition, I think. Absolutely. I, I think just back to your point quickly, Chuck, on the, uh, the rustic feel to the game is certainly one that we enjoy. But I think just during finals, that's the next level of spectacle. And we want, obviously, a good game and you don't want it to be, you know, um, absolutely clinical and, you know, 100 goals for each team or uh, between two teams would be amazing, but it's never going to happen. But I think in finals, you just want that absolute best entertainment possible. And if it's, you know, a windy, sloggy game, that can sort of degrade that uh, a little bit. But certainly, you know, a game to game, and it would be interesting to see how a, t a team would use that to their advantage in finals. So speaking of finals, which it's our whole episode, which is what we'll be speaking about, momentum going into finals is such a massive thing. And it's interesting to see, you know, probably six weeks ago, the Cats, it was their flag to lose. Dogs were then, you know, pretty much keely uh, made to be winning the flag and have since then dropped out and missed the top four. And it's an interesting talking point to speak about who has the greatest momentum going to finals tiers, do you think, now? And especially, you know, finishing strongly in round 23 isn't always uh, a good marker for how you're going to go in finals, but it certainly does help a lot. How many teams can I pick? I reckon there's a, there's a few that um, they're in form. I, I think Port Adelaide and the Giants probably jump off the page initially. Um, I think Port have won their last six and they've just sort of creeped up to the top two out of nowhere. They, they just kept winning and uh, made Marvel 
starting their own and um, they, they were just, yeah, they were literally kicking goals right then and there. And, and the Giants had some amazing wins uh, late in the season, playing some uh, unbelievable footy, you know, against the Cats and the Tigers specifically. And uh, they got the job done over the Blues in um, Eddie Betts' final game. So I think those two definitely stand up for mine. But I, I think, um, yeah, I, I don't want to step on too many other toes with, with other clubs. But th- those two seem to be in the hottest form right at the moment. But definitely a lot of teams in contention, no doubt. Chook. Uh, I think I kind of touched on the momentum a bit when we were talking about the buy. I'm on the side that I think Giants and Bombers have the best momentum. Um, I, I don't think that momentum will carry either of those teams to the to the big dance in the end. I just don't think they have the that they're at that level of the other teams above them. But I do think they have the best momentum, and I wouldn't be surprised if if a Bombers knocked off the Dogs. We'll talk about it when we review the game. But I feel like the momentum definitely helps those two sides as they come into their first. Um, first week of finals but um, in terms of the the main contenders no offense to those guys um, yeah I don't obviously Geelong doesn't have sort of momentum as they've just lost <laughs> you know <laughs> they just lost a game so that doesn't really help you yeah, I'm losable but, game. Um, in the same sense I yeah I probably think of the top teams Melbourne I think I know they just grasped that last win but that sort of energy kicking a game-winning goal with Gorn, like that sort of redemption arc, I reckon that could be a key player for their momentum um, to take it right up to the opposition this week. Um, Port Adelaide, I probably don't actually think. They're probably similar, probably similar to the Demons, in my opinion. What are your thoughts, Sean? Let's not not sell Brisbane too short either. They've been looking pretty damn good. And I think uh, if you're in the top four, you know, you've, you've set yourself up pretty nicely and you know, the Giants and Bombers do probably have the momentum in a way, but they've also needed to have the momentum. You know, they've their season's been on the line for a while now, um, where there might be some other clubs in the top six that just haven't really needed to win that desperately. Like, they've needed those wins, but their finals and sometimes top four has been locked and loaded. So some of those bottom eight sides or, or bottom of the eight sides, they've needed to win. So it's been a little bit more urgency for them. I, yeah, I did a, laugh as you. Uh, oh, sorry, Chuck. I did laugh as you mentioned Brisbane there. Short as our good friend Watson is your housemate, and I can just imagine him like holding a gun yeah. to your head just outside yeah, the Zoom yeah. camera <laughs> screen as as he's like mentioned Brisbane. Um, you did mention the uh, the bottom half of the uh, top eight, and I do think there are some clubs with form in in that. Um, especially one team who I think has entered this final series pretty much with a free shot, and that can do wonderful things. We saw what GWS did to Geelong down in Geelong when they had pretty much all their kids playing and just that mentality of going into a game with the free swing, you can try a few things out. And when you go in with that excitement and that momentum of free spirited style of play, Essendon, I think can cause some damage and knock the dogs out in the first week of finals. And I think they'll break that hoodoo of how long they haven't won a final for. And I just think their second half of the year has been, or even the last four weeks of their year has been really strong and, they have some serious weapons along the back of Jake Stringer's form that could do some real damage. So it's an interesting discussion to have. And obviously we're going to talk a bit more in depth about each one going into the rest of the podcast. But first up, obviously we've got Port Adelaide versus Geelong. Adelaide Oval, 7.50 on Friday night. It's going to be a huge game. There's lots of talking points to come out of it. Geelong, as you mentioned, Chook, have you know, lost quite a bad game, you could say, uh, against Melbourne to hand Melbourne the minor premiership and Port Adelaide are in really good form 
and are pushing really strongly towards the back end of the season. In Adelaide, let's have a discussion about some of the key matchups. Beauty. I'm excited. Um, at this stage, I suppose we don't have the finalised teams ourselves for, for this match, but we can probably assume it's going to be pretty consistent with what we saw last week. Um, key in for the Cats there is Mitch Duncan, who I think provides massive benefit to this cat side. Um, I'm like, he's literally, he's the most, one of the most accurate kicks in the league. And I probably just jinxed him. He's probably going to kick 12 out on the full and on Friday night. But I think he's a crucial in for that cat side who, who I did do think lacked a bit of accuracy kicking into that forward line. When you've got the likes of Cameron and Hawkins leading out on either side, you want to make sure you've got someone who can hit him right on the chest um, to seal those goals. But I think, yeah, I think Duncan starting in that midfield, I think he's going to be a key factor addition to that Cats um, lineup. Yeah, we still need that sort of class, don't they? So he's pretty crucial. I think, like you said, we probably lack a little bit of that polish at times and an extra leader out there always helps. So massive game. Um, obviously, all Geelong fans, I think we all know where our heart is, but I've certainly questioned where my head is. You know, it's it's a tough one. We didn't do ourselves any favours last week with the positioning of it, but if Geelong can perform this week, all will be forgiven. Yeah, yeah, the ramifications are absolutely huge. They always are. I think we've won one out of our last eight uh, first finals. Obviously, there's been a few pre pre finals buys that you know may make those numbers a bit more interesting. But yeah, going to be going to be absolutely huge uh, there's no no two ways about it can be very tough to quell you know ports forward line i think we we're a little bit vulnerable in the the small forward um i suppose yeah defending those inside 50 you know spargo bobbed up and kicked a couple and then um pickett kicked three so i think that definitely is going to be a, an area that's really could challenge the cats and you know no stewart to sort of line up uh for probably the rest of the year he might be a chance if we were to go really deep into september but uh, again, I always say it comes back to the midfield. Uh, Geelong's midfield failed late in the last quarter uh, against the D's, which was you know, disappointing. And they were able to give their forwards some really good looks. And, you know, the defence doesn't look very good when there's no pressure on the ball. So uh, that, that midfield, if we can break even there, I think the Cats are going to go well. But uh, Port have got all their stars back. Uh, Fantasia will probably make his way back in. Be great to have Duncan back in the side. But, yeah, that. Both sides definitely have the utensils to to get the job done. Uh, all going to come down to the pressure on the ball um, from pretty much each line. But yeah, the midfield definitely the most important. And Porter in red hot form with some uh, home crowd fans lengths to to really uh, edge them on. Absolutely, and it's interesting that during the year Geelong, you know, beat Port pretty well uh, throughout the throughout the home and away season and. In that game, our forward line fired pretty well. And it's interesting, again, to go back to the first final of last year, we're in the same position and Port were not going into finals as strongly, but they certainly won this game in somewhat of an upset. And Geelong obviously went on then to make it to the grand final and Port missed out just losing to Richmond. But um, I think the key matchup is going to be that Cameron-Alier matchup, uh, which we saw during the year. And Cameron just absolutely ran Alier off his off his legs and Aliyah's had a really strong last six weeks in the home and away season has been really positive uh, pickup for Port Adelaide. But I think that's going to be a key matchup. And Stewart, I think had 11 intercept marks shorty when we played them during the year. And that's obviously a massive out, but what do you think is the key matchup or how do you think 
the game will be won this time around going from the last two results between these sides. Yeah, you, you don't replace that, do you? There's no replacing Tommy Stewart. But, I mean, I tend to think that most big finals are often won around the ball. Did Tice touch on that? I think, you know, there will be other areas that in hindsight might prove crucial, but it'll probably all stem from who gets on top around the clearance and, and wins that contested pill. You know, it's always important. It seems to be more important in finals. Um, and, and I guess each team has their own little concerns and backstories to finals you know we all know Geelong's well and good and the first final and this and that but Port have their own as well some little thoughts give them confidence other thoughts give them a few little demons so you know they've got a lot to prove as well a bit of pressure on them so um, they're massive first finals Geelong's record says that you know getting off to that poor start in the first final sets them back so it's it's just so important so I'm looking forward to it Shorty's got the day off work so I'm <laughs> oh, that's a positive. <laughs> Love it. Um, if I can touch on that, that in the guts, one more aspect, last thing I'll touch before I will address your question about that, the forward line and, and the backline matchups there, Langers. Um, a little stat I did send through to you guys a bit earlier is that game against the Demons, the Cats midfielders, you know, their core midfielders, the percentage of time they spent mm. on the ground. You look at Dangerfield, 79% on ground, Guffrey, 72%. Uh, Parfit sixty eight percent. I do. He probably is one of the core midfielders at mm. times for, for the Cats. And Selwood sixty four percent time on ground was actually the second lowest across the entire field, including Melbourne, uh, in terms of playing on time on ground. And he dominated somehow. He still racked up like thirty touches. You've got to wonder: were they just holding it back, thinking you know we've we've got this game already and and rested the guys for the rest of the game? I know I heard something about <clears throat> Danger was crook or something and just was holding off. <laughs> yeah, I think he had like bad food poisoning, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. But but you compare that to Oliver, 90%, Petrarca, 89%, yeah. Rachel, 82%. That's well down on what you want your core midfield group. We, the Cats don't need to be having the likes of, of Holmes and those guys on ball for a majority of the game. You want your best players, you want your men of goalers and the likes rotating in there. And I think Duncan coming to the side will help make sure that the best midfielders for the Cats are always on ball because Boak, Wines, you you have no doubt that those guys can be, you know, well over 80, 80, 85% time on ground and in the guts most of the time as well because they're absolute guns and they're going to be kicking ass, to be honest. That's all they're going to want to do. They want some <laughs> redemption for last year. Um Onto the, the forward sort of matchup there, Langers. I do wonder what the effect of Georgiatis coming out of the side for Port Adelaide is going to do. He's obviously been a crucial, you know, aspect and, and pillar up in that forward line. I think Dixon, I know we mentioned he has still been up there in the goals, but he hasn't been at his best this season. Um, and it's you got to wonder, is he going to be able to, you know, step up to that next level first week of finals without his buddy alongside him to help him out and yeah I don't know without that matchup I think the matchup becomes a lot easier for the Cats with uh with him out with Georgiatis out you know they'll be able to have you know Jack Henry or, or Colin Jasney or someone flying across and taking those intercept marks that you usually needed Stewart to rely on I think they're going to be a bit freer um and I wonder about that the tall factor for for Port Langers yeah well if anything Chuck it's a good point but I actually think it's it works in Port's favour. Um, they were trialling the four key tall 
uh, option in their forward line. I don't think it was working particularly well. Todd Marshall's been horrendously out of form, I just think, because he can't get near it. And when he is getting near it, he's just pretty much rusty, even though he's been playing in the games. I think the three tall option is actually better for them. But you are right. It, it does probably go in Geelong's favour as well, because they do have the options to cover the three talls. And Georgiades apparently is, is not a... He, he might not miss from what they were saying from his scans of the hamstring, which is hard to believe that he might be able to play, which, which is interesting. But I do think that battle will be key. And, you know, going to the other end from last year, we are talking about it in the, in the group tiers. Uh, it was widely publicized that Trent McKenzie beat Tom Hawkins in the final of last year. And he was able to push Hawkins wide. And that is absolutely fair enough that a lot of Hawkins shots were harder to get, but Hawkins did kick zero five. So even, you know, two, three or three, two, and we might be talking about a different story here, but Hawkins was still definitely marking the ball and, and getting access to the ball. He just had an absolute shocker in front of goal. I remember pretty clearly how, how bad he was going. It was quite, uh, you know, a stark comparison for the Coleman winning home and away season. Yeah, it was very tough watching on. And yeah, he did a great job being able to get the ball Unfortunately, his confidence was just so low and the pressure from Port was really good that, um, yeah, it just made those shots just that 5%, 10% harder. And once you get off to a bad start, especially as a key forward, and Tom's he's a 300-game player as of Friday night, somehow he's still a confidence player purely based on that, which is, which is interesting. But, yeah, look, I think uh, if Fantasia comes in for Georgie Artis, it all, all of a sudden it makes their forward line look very nimble and a little bit scary. I think the small forwards probably have challenged us more in the past, but in saying that this year, the key forwards have actually caused us some dramas because Blitzarf hasn't mm -hmm. been playing full back where he belongs. Um, and, you know, Stewart out also, yeah, doesn't really help a lot. So that's why the midfield battle is so important. We kept Melbourne at three, three, uh, three goal six, you know, probably with two and a half quarters of game time. And probably uh, once the midfield sort of uh, buckled, uh, the, the floodgates are open. So that's why the, the contest is so important because that can sort of, like the dogs in um, at the start of the year, their midfield dominance sort of helped uh, for what was lacking in their back line. And that's the back line's been exposed for them recently because their inability to be able to um, you know, get scoreboard, um, yeah, on, on the board really. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's... It, honestly, right now, looking forward to the game short, it looks like it's a pretty 50-50 matchup. And you'd probably take Port at home if we're talking about tipping uh, going into that just because it is at home. And it, it literally will come down to probably the last 10 minutes, if not the first 10 minutes of the game. You'll probably know by quarter time where this game's going to be headed if Geelong's form in finals, in qualifying finals especially, they've won one out of the last six. And it's interesting to note that the one that we have won was when Isaac Smith missed that goal uh, after the siren. So interesting that he's now at Geelong, if that changes anything. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. About as 50-50 as you get. And, and you probably give Port just that little bit of the edge. Um, hard to fault their form. And, and home ground, or even particularly home fans, really is something we haven't seen a lot of lately. So, yeah, it's a tough one to split. But I'll be... Um, if I was forced to give a tip, it would be Port Adelaide. And I'll certainly be hoping that that is wrong. Well, we might as well round out the, the rest of this review. Do you guys have any other points? If not, we'll go into our tips. 
I think it's a huge game and I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also reckon, yeah, Port Adelaide probably get the nod as well. Yeah. If you were to give a tip uh, again, if we play our best and, and don't allow Port to play their best, Geelong can win. But uh, if you tip purely tipping uh, Port Adelaide for mine, Chook. Port Adelaide at home is, is always a hard task for anyone, but um, I just, I just can't doubt the the ins that Geelong has had over the last few weeks and, You'd expect the mature heads of Duncan and, and Higgins to provide a lot of value for them. I, I think the Cats will get it done just if they do. And, and they'll be hurting after that loss to, to the Demons and they will not be taking their foot off the pedal at all. I think the likes of Danger and Selwood will be pushing this Cats side well over the line. Yep. Um, what, one thing we did sort of comment on a little bit, but... Cats finals record has been questioned and they have been in positions in games. And I don't want to, you know, mention the war, but obviously the grand final last year, 2019 prelim and a couple of others where the cats have been in winning positions. And I think they're up in their head about these big games now that they're in the winning position and they put their foot on the break. And then the other team know that teams know that now that Geelong will do that. And that's when the other team has the option to, you know, put four or five goals on in a quarter and get the ascendancy back. So if anything, last week's loss for Geelong should be the final warning about doing that. Geelong have done that too many times and it it arguably has cost them probably two grand final victories. I will be tipping Geelong because I think just with Hawkins 300 Selwood's career, uh, Cats record equaling game and just the general uh, experience of our team and the uh, the learning that we had from last week. Shorty Craig Jennings always talks about, you know, you learn more from your losses than you do from your victories. I will be backing the Cats here. And do you just reaffirm that you have tipped Port here? I have tipped Port. And um, yes, last week could be the final warning or just another scar in some self-doubt. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to read, but... Um... Yeah, I'll be tipping port. Just. Absolutely. It should be an absolutely insane game. All of the games this weekend are going to be amazing to watch. And the the next one up, the Derby in Tasmania, Sydney versus GWS, should be an absolute cracker. We're going to go to a quick break and then we'll get stuck back into the rest of the final previews. So the first of the games in Tasmania, the first ever final in Tasmania, Saturday afternoon, 3.20 at the United the University of Tasmania Stadium, Sydney versus GWS. It is the Sydney Battle of the Bridge. It's going to be a huge game. It's the third time they've played each other in finals and both teams are in pretty good form, but the Swans early season form had us taking notice. And Shorty, we're talking about our predictions from earlier in the year and you actually had the Swans rising with their young guns and that's what they have done all year. And the Giants have just snuck home late to get into finals. Yes, didn't they? Yeah, I think um, it's pretty saucy to get the old Battle of the Bridge in yet another final. It's pretty interesting that it's happened. You know, I haven't been around that long. We've got three finals, but yeah, it's going to be a massive one. I do still feel like the Swans deserve our respect in terms of, yeah, the Giants have come storming home, but um, they've been, like I mentioned before, sort of fighting just to get in there. The Swans have probably had a reasonable amount of assurity yeah, they could have maybe finished top four, depending, but um, they've been safe as such for some time. So, yeah, I still feel pretty confident with the Swans, but, you know, like all these finals, there's a lot riding on it. Yes, yes. Uh, I think GWS are 
two and zip so far. Uh, obviously, the the first final between these sides was was great to watch. It was such. I remember being one of the most crazily contested games ever. It was absolute straight fight, and I think the Giants ended up winning by um, six goals thereabouts. And and Stevie J, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Costy side possibly a chance at a premiership with uh, suspension in there against uh, Kennedy. So the Swans definitely have a few key outs. Mills, I think Josh Kennedy's got a hamstring as well. So yeah, gonna... they're waiting on scans for Kennedy. So Ooh, he'd be pretty. If it was a hamstring, it'd be pretty uh, risky to take him in under that duress. But oh, I'm uh, I won't go into to tips at this stage. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, definitely it's going to be. A great contest and Giants have had the the winning streak of late and been playing some great football. Again, it's going to be Sydney probably don't really have great dominance in the contest, but on scoring from turnover has been definitely a lethal weapon from their standpoint and ball movement. I think they're basically the best in the comp at that. So again, key performance indicators that can cover up or paper crack uh, other areas. So it's going to be uh, very intriguing to watch, Chook. Yeah, it, it will be an interesting battle. Yeah, you're right when you said, and short, when Sydney's youngsters have been what helped them get up there in the early stages of the season and have helped them chug along. And I just wonder whether, you know, that's also a weakness. You know, we've seen it many times in the past where young team, they're fighting. Um, really well they get into finals and the the mature heads of the opposition are just able to take advantage and and the youngsters feel a bit overwhelmed or lost and and don't have that flat flourish that we we're used to them showing off um and that's what i wonder giants obviously is still a young team but majority of this side has been there done that before in terms of finals and a lot of these swans guys or a lot of these youngsters that have been helping them push haven't seen that you know if we do see um, Mills come out of this side, who is a crucial factor for this Swans team in terms of what he's been bringing to that midfield. Um, we know we potentially see a, a Chad Warner come back in, another young guy um, who's been performing well. But you know, Chad. what are they going to do? Are they going to be able to step up? And I'm not too certain about that. I'm not too sure, to be honest, Lance. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting point, Chuck, because they are they are so young, a majority of the Swans side, but. They, they were standing up at early stages during the year. You know, Justin McInerney, Dylan Stevens, Warner Campbell, Goulden especially, they all stood up in big moments during the Swans season. And and Goulden especially was, I think, did he kick a match-winning goal or a, a goal to like seal the match at one point during the year? He's just been an absolute dynamo, Robbie Gray sort of clone. It, it's an absolute uh, good question to ask for sure because, you know, finals is next level intensity and you can apply that to both sides, which do have, uh, you know, younger teams and, you know, questionable as to whether they can perform in finals and a, a big, you know, matchup. If we're talking about matchup, Shorty is probably the, you know, Franklin versus Green um, at either end of the forward line. You know, two of the best forwards we've seen over the last 10 years. Green has just turned into an absolute, you know, key forward, you know, in the competition for just impact on games and ability to win games of his own boot. And Franklin, Sorry, Bruce, has... like I thought you were saying they were going to play on each other. But no, no, just like... like, what kind of a catastrophe would that yeah. be? <laughs> well, obviously they're not playing on each other directly, but you can imagine the impact that both of them can carry short on each end of the ground. 
Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting, you know, and, and just on the youth sort of stuff, I mean, there is uncertainty, but I reckon for a while we've sort of said that about Sydney. Gee, they're young, they're going to drop off and they, they keep sort of delivering. So I, I think it'd be interesting to see how they do hold up against that finals heat. And it's a bit of a, like Tice mentioned, that ball movement versus just in and under slog of Taranto, Ward and, and Hopper and, you know, there's so many in there for the Giants. But, yeah, they almost are like their lead singers of the band, aren't they? You've got Franklin, you've got Green. They're the main guys. You know, they're the X Factor. Uh, my boy, Isaac Heaney. You know, oh, you baby. To, uh, he's got a little bit of finals X Factor about him. But, yes, I think um, my main hope for the finals is the Geelong win. My, my second main hope is that Buddy Franklin doesn't kick eight goals in the final series. But that's another time. Oh, you don't want him to the get there. Bud. God, Who takes no. on the big bud? You, you don't want him choice. to get to a thousand goals. Not this year. Why not? Because <laughs> I want to be getting on a plane round one oh, next year. <laughs> sorry, I thought you just didn't want him to get there at all. And I was like, you absolute oh, no, terrible no. person. No, 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 no that, of course. Yeah, I know, course I know. I we, we were talking about d- during the year. We, we absolutely want to be there, but it looks, you know, if mm. if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be, you know, it could be Tassie next week, which would be, you know, disappointing. Yeah. But um. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. Oh, I think he will get there, and it's a good talking point to speak about. Sorry, Chuck, what you were saying something? I was just going to say, Shorty, while you're talking about you don't want Buddy to to get there. Who do you think the Giants are going to play on him to to stop him from getting there? Is it going to be Taylor? It's got to be Taylor. It... Yeah, Taylor. Taylor would be, be all Australian if he didn't miss miss games this year. Yeah, the jobs he's done in recent time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's um he's been bloody good. You'd have to think so, but. It, It'll probably take a little bit of pressure up the field and a little bit of uh, other defenders laying off as well to stop the big bud. I, I think we spoke about it um, in the group chat, but did you guys end up actually seeing that footage of Sam Taylor? I think it was 13 or 14 months ago and he was coming back from either glandular fever or like arthritis in his in his bones or something in his leg. And he literally was like 45 kilos. He looked like an 80-year-old man and he did his first run yeah. around the Giants training. He, he was literally, yeah, like skin and bone. that He had no muscle definition in his legs at all. And to get back to where he's been, we saw it against Geelong. He absolutely dominated Hawkins' tears. He's been, you know, and he played really well in that grand final year as well for the Giants. He's been a great pickup. And the Giants have sort of rebuilt their defense on, on the run this year. And there's still a big question mark about, uh, one player in particular for the Giants, which is Stephen Canilio. But Tiz, do you think he will play or will be named this week? Looks pretty likely uh, based on the <laughs> the interview with him and uh, Leon Cameron. Sounds like, uh, yeah, he, he'll be cherry ripe to go. And again, that's just another another really classy midfielder in there for the Giants. It'll be getting that uh, dirty ball that'll be helping them huh. Yeah, get get it forward for them. So um, uh, on to Taylor though. He's yeah. I just remember him him in his early days, just marking absolutely everything, and I thought, yeah. oh, this guy's going to be something. And yeah, to to be able to come back from that kind of adversity and just just recover a, and then but then b be able to play elite sport and then to thrive in the elite sport. Yeah. There's just so many massive goals ticked there. So. Uh, now he's going to be, he potentially could be a generational, you know, f- uh, full back. He's been uh, exceptional with the way he's played. And 
yeah, that, that midfield battle is going to be very interesting to dissect and how that all goes. Uh, like they may only have Parker in there as their mainstay. They, they might. Yeah. I think that's why they've been running Papley through there because they've run out of midfielders. Um, the the Sydney Swans, but uh, yeah, they they're young players. It's going to be one of two things that, depending on how the Giants come out and the Swans, it it could be. Um, either they'll be overawed by the situation if the Giants get on top early. Um, we, we do know Sydney always come back no matter what. And um, can, can they yeah, can they settle? How quickly will they settle? All those sorts of things. But, yeah, we've seen youth in the past uh, affect teams like Geelong as well. Uh, you know, that Fremantle final in 2012, maybe 13 as well. Um, and also, I mean, it can be a hindrance. Also, with those big moments that come up and you don't quite take the moment and um, the season bodies generally get the job done. But what's your no, tip? Such tis? an exciting game. Who's my tip? I've t- tipped the Giants. Oh, I'm going, I'm going the GWS Giants. I, I like their, I think their midfield game and definitely as finals transpires, it's definitely won and lost in the midfield. They seem to have the names on paper, even when they don't. Have them on paper, they still beat Geelong and Geelong uh, somehow. But, yeah, I think that battle will go a long way. And I think that's where their weapon is. If they can get their weapon going, uh, I reckon they win. Fair call. Fair call there. Um, While you were touching on the importance of the midfield and also ins and outs of sides, I think the biggest factor and most crucial factor for the Swans midfield, this year at least, has been the emergence of, of Tom Hickey and how important he's been as a, as a mobile ruckman, um, you know, being really effective giants in is big man, Shane Mumford. He's been on the list on a list for 40 years yeah. now. It seems he's been playing, but he is a tough SOB. I <laughs> would not be surprised if he goes straight at Hickey from the yeah, get go. Goes out never, let, never get past him. I think it's going to be a major contributor towards what the impact will be in this game. Shorty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. He's the sort of guy that just loves a bit of the uh, rough and tumble of finals footy. Um, I'm going to tip the Swans. I think um, a fair bit of that would be in hoping those two key mids do get up. But look, the Giants, yeah, they've had their moments the last sort of month, but I don't know if I trust them a whole lot. And I think the Swans deserve to go in favourites. And um, yeah, I'm going to tip them. Yeah, well... Uh, Who was I your think... tip, Chuck? Leaning Sorry, towards the Giants? I hadn't, I hadn't jumped on a tip with that one. I do think the Giants will get up. I think just the losses for the Swans and the mm. Ins for the, the Giants are quite con- contrasting there. Um, yeah. Giants have game. Okay, well, that leaves me one out there. And I thought we were all going to tip Sydney. And I'm, I'm going to stay on the Sydney train. I think they just generally have been more consistent and polished as the year's gone on. And the Giants probably have been in better form to finish the season, but the Swans uh, certainly still got those weapons. And I think with the buddy factor, they'll be able to um, knock the Giants over. But this is, you know, this is another 50-50 game and one that we'll be watching keenly to see the result of. Um, The other Saturday game in the evening, Melbourne versus Lions back at the Adelaide Oval. One versus four, the Demons obviously got over the Cats to clinch the minor premiership. And from a neutral fan, it was pretty great uh, scenes to watch, to be honest. Gorn kicking that goal. We know the poetry behind him missing goals before against Geelong. And he finally got that one. Uh, symmetry with 1964, them being minor premiers. And the first time since then, they are minor premiers again. 
Shorty, what are your thoughts on this massive game between the Demons and the Leons? Yeah, it's sort of been built up as the best attack versus the best defence, hasn't it? Mm. So quite interesting. But yeah, the Ds, I mean, we talk about sort of storylines surrounding finals and that type of thing. Well, it's hard to sort of imagine a side that has more pressure on them going into it in a funny way. But, you know, such historical pressure. Um, you know, a few other teams maybe have pressure you know, building up over the last decade, but this this is decades and decades. So, but I think they've shown a, a massive belief. You know, they they look like they're they're ready to to handle that type of pressure. And while Brisbane probably a month or so ago, you see um, some key names go down, and all of a sudden we thought, nah, they can't do it. Um, you know, without Hipwood and um, you know, Adams has come back, but it's it's a really difficult one, but. I think this is, you know, we say it every time. It's about as 50-50 as you get. Um, it'll be an interesting battle. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, I'll uh, be listening on the radio for this one, I'd imagine. Well, what do you reckon, Tiz? Yeah, nice, mate. Uh, yeah, again, the, the Ds pride themselves on just being able to you know, mitigate scoreboard damage while the Lions just uh, scoreboard damage chaos is pretty much what they're all about and definitely have struck form uh, of late. And I, I don't think the you can only play who you play, but I don't think they've beaten a whole lot. They, they have won quite well with the games they have, I suppose, won, but wouldn't say they would be as nearly seasoned as probably uh, Melbourne trying to beat a, a Cats outfit at GMHBA. And often teams that can attack so well get caught up with teams that can defend um, really grimly like, like the Ds can and, you know, like like the Cats and, and some other really good sides also find a way to do. Again, a big midfield battle and um, going to be, yeah, a clash for young and old, no doubt. The Ds, obviously, yeah, it's a, it's a massive game for them. Um, the Lions have obviously, you know, tripped up a little bit in finals. They went out in straight sets, went down the prelim final last year. So um, can they take that next step? They've they literally fell into finals by a couple of points, um, or top four calculations anyway. So it feels like they have fallen into top four, and sometimes you can get exposed by that uh, against teams that have been a lot more solidified up the top um, upper echelon. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, we'll probably get into the tips a bit later, but yeah, um, what a game it'll be, and what a stage it'll be on. It'll, it'll be interesting. You speak of the stage, and I, I'm getting pretty excited you know normally we do factor in a lot about whose home it is and what's the home crowd going to have an effect on obviously the Geelong game is affected by that but every other one is a clean slate the neutrality I'm I'm loving in this you know some teams may be favored by certain factors around the oval and the side but really it's purely neutral venues for 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 each side um in in this game and the other two as well which it's, I'm really excited to see, you know, either way, you know, if it was at the Gabba, you know, you would lean towards the Lions. If it was in MCG, you'd go, oh, yeah, Melbourne probably. It, it, it's a major factor. And, and to be at a neutral ground, is, it's really exciting. I really think it's going to be a case of the, the best side wins, no excuses. Um, I, I do think that defence is more important than, than offence at times when it comes to this competition. You know, the best defensive sides do tend to, to, to make it pretty far, but does it always result in the, the ultimate success? I feel like the teams that have that offensive flair tend to 
succeed in the end. So Lions, I think, have the better sort of excitement factor in in their forward line. You know, you've got Lincoln McCarthy flying high, Charlie Cameron. You know, anything can come from that factor. There's more I could be naming. Like, all their midfielders contribute a lot as well. But it, it, it all depends on whether though that sort of chaos ball can defeat the structure that is these demons who who seem to be able to prepare for everything. The Lever-May combination, I think, is the best combination we've seen in a, in a while, a mm. long time. They are just so right there, brick walls down back. But we have seen them beaten. Crows did it. A few other sides have done it with direct ball movement. So it's about whether the Lions can get that direct low kicks in, um, which I'll... Um, I might meant save that because it might give away who I think is going to win the game. <laughs> well, you, um, you mentioned the Brisbane forward line there, Chuck, and I think one of the great additions to that forward line of recent has been Cockatoo. Actually, if you've watched any of the the Brisbane awful. games recently, he's he's been insane, and some of the the forward pressure that he does and the goal assist and score assist he does for Brisbane just gives him something different, and that actually has allowed them to play Kadeen Coleman off the half back line and give them a bit of a pace out of the back line and through the midfield, which I think is what they were lacking big time and they tried James Madden there and he's still relatively inexperienced and Birchall and Rich are obviously quite slow but Rich's kicking ability is you know amazing and that's what saves him a lot of the time but yeah Cockatoo's been a great addition to that forward line but you're right Chuck the um the chaos ball that the Lions can play in that forward line can cause havoc but I think the Melbourne defense is structured really well as we saw uh last week against Geelong they just couldn't they would not let Geelong score pretty much um, in that last quarter at all. And like you said, Shorty, it's going to be attack versus defense and whichever one wins out, it's going to be a massive win overall in the context of the season. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon um, I'm, I'm going to slightly favor the demons here. Um, it's a tough one, of course, but I just love, like Chuck said, the, the lever and may combo. I, I love the Gorn, Petrarca and, and Oliver combo. I love those small forwards that they have. If you're going to point out a weakness, it's perhaps that key forward element. Um, and Brisbane, you know, they'd hit right back and, and probably answer a few of those things with their own gun players. But I'm tipping the Ds. I reckon some of their poor performances have probably come against some weaker teams. Um, so I feel like uh, they'd be full of confidence off the back of the last 40 minutes of footy they played. And I'm going to tip the Ds. Mm. Yeah, fair call there. So you, you did touch on the key forward aspect, and I think this is something that, that can't go unnoticed is pre-season, obviously, or in the trade period last year, there were a few big trades, a few key forwards that were up for grabs. Included in that was obviously Danaher was the big to the, to the Lions, obviously. And mm. then Benny Brown from North to, to the Demons. And we're going to get to see them, you know, up close and personal back against each other. Obviously, Danaher has had the the more consistent season, you know, kicking goals yeah. and, and getting a lot more games. Brown obviously had a few injuries and has also was playing in the twos for, for a period, but he's come, come out red hot the last few weeks. You know, he's been kicking a few goals. He's, he's been looking a dominant force now, but he's been getting some games in him. I'm excited to see which one is going to be the commanding presence in this game. And to be honest, I actually think Ben Brown might take it. I'd be interested to know of, of the three of you, which of these forwards do you see more likely to, to be commanding? After you, Tiz. Yeah, Benny Brown is he's quite a he's, a, he's a monster. <laughs> he, he finds <laughs> a way to kick really straight. Uh, he's got a really simple 
Well, it's technique. a consistent routine. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a simple routine, but it he's is been, for him. He's been getting his marking back too. He just seems to have been, you know, getting in that marking and general good form. Tears at the right time. 100%. And Danaher just seems to be a bit happy-go-lucky at times. Uh, he might switch on for finals. We haven't seen him in the the finals stage very often as well. So that he might get uh, caught by surprise with the, you know, the intensity of the game and how quick the game sort of is under that finals heat. So again, that'll be a really interesting uh, element and byproduct of the the game itself. But I, I like the D's as well. I think that the game early in the year was, I suppose, really well highlighted with Brisbane won, I suppose, the first half in the way they played slow, methodical ball movement. Uh, but then once the D's got, you know, the speed of ball movement in the second half, their midfield went to work and uh, they made the lines look really slow and really ordinary. And I reckon, yeah, again, highlighting their defence uh, with Lever and May down back. just uh, And they've got so many weapons on the ball and they they just have players that can, you know, I suppose, get the job done up forward as well, whoever whoever gets on the end of it. So uh, we, we found that out last week. You know, Spargo bobs up and kicks a couple and uh, Pickett's definitely a live wire up forward and uh, Benny Brown, of course. And, yeah, they've just got a lot of weapons that, just hurt you. So uh, I, I like the D's uh, and I'll be tipping them in this final. Yeah. Chuck, what's your uh, final thoughts and quick tip? Yeah, well, um, final thoughts on this one. I was making the, the fact before about, you know, the chaos versus the structure. Um, and I think I was almost leaning, it sounded like I was leaning towards the, the chaos, but I do think that back line is, is so solid that they can defeat this this Lions, you know, chaos ball. And I, I think part of that chaos usually comes from, you know, can come from long balls and, and people coming out of nowhere. But I think this demon side is generally pretty accountable for everyone that they're on. Um, and those two key backs are just everywhere. Stalwarts, they know how to stop someone flying in from, from anywhere. So I, I do think the demons will be able to hold on and, and get the win here. And, I do think Benny Brown will have the bigger impact of the two key forwards um, from my earlier. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. And uh, this one to me seems like the least 50-50 game. And I don't want it to sound like we're underestimating Brisbane because any of, the, any, any of these games can be won by anyone. I'm absolutely not discrediting Brisbane. But I think from the form we have seen from Melbourne throughout the whole year, I, I would have to tip Melbourne as well short and just back them in. But Absolutely do not discredit the Lions because they have been obviously in good form as of late. They do have a lot of things going right for them. Hipwood out has hurt them a bit, but I think if anything, it has made them sort of structure up um, really specifically and there's less margin for error, but when that works, it works really well. Um, But I would have to tip um, Melbourne and Brisbane have done really well to give themselves a double chance. So even if they lose this one, they're definitely not out of it, I think. There would be some clubs that if they lost in round one of finals with the double chance, they'd be in trouble. But Lions, I think if they lost the first week, they could certainly bounce back and go the long way. The next game just, up. Uh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. Sorry. Actually, I'd just like to... Uh, Sorry, I just threw to Shorty and then to, uh, cut off the throw. <laughs> just to give a bit of love to Joey Danaher. I think uh, I personally just keep it short and sharp. I think Joey's got a bit of X factor for your finals footy. Um, I think Benny Brown's nice and solid, but I could see Joey smacking a few through from yep. 50 out. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Apologies, Jake. 
no, no, no. Sorry, I should have made sure. Has has Danaher played in a final before? He would have against North uh, Melbourne, I think. Probably would have. 20... Played a bloody good um, Anzac Day game once. Sure did. He Maybe sure. Sydney. He might have played yeah. that Sydney final. Yeah. He might have he, a he is a big game player, and yeah, and that's the thing with these games. You know, it might be 50-50, but one player can kick. You know, four or five or have thirty and kick a late goal and. You know, that's the difference between, you know, Melbourne winning and Brisbane, you know, beating the minor premiers in round one of the finals. So And Petrarca was really quiet against the Cats in that final round. So he would want to step up a bit for this final and, and, and help the Demons, I reckon, as well. Yeah, absolutely, Chuck. The last game, the second game in Tasmania, the Dogs versus the Bombers. We've spoken about the dogs a lot recently. They've they've fallen flat. Let's Oof. be honest. They've fallen out of the top four, and the Bombers have got some great momentum going into this game. Sunday, three thirty. Let's get some quick thoughts on this game. Do we, guys, we think that the dogs will get knocked out in the first week of finals? I don't. Um, I'm feeling good about the dogs. I've probably been a long time lover of the doggies. Um, but I'm still believing they just missed top four and yeah, they've had a poor run of form, but um, I'm backing them in. I think they just have too much talent, particularly through that midfield. And I think they've been too good throughout the year to go out first up. I, I like what they do. I think they can find that form that has escaped them. And I reckon there'll be a lot that do probably ride more towards the bombers just because they are that hot team. That's, that's run into the finals with a fair bit of momentum, but you know, I think you mentioned earlier, 2016, haven't won a flag since or a final since. A final since. <laughs> a final since. Um, but no, I think they might just do that this time around. Massive game. Uh, and ramifications for either side going out. The dogs, we know they've lost their last uh, couple of finals, you know, 2019, 2020. They went out in disappointing fashion. They got belted up by the Giants a couple of years back. And yeah, really made them work for it. And the Saints, you know, just pipped them in uh, at the Gabba last year. So they haven't won a final since the, the premiership in 2016. So definitely there's there's pressure there. Uh, and we know the uh, the Bombers haven't won a final since uh, I was in grade four. So it's been a, <laughs> uh, a long time coming there uh, for, for the Bombers. And again, yeah, it's going to be a great battle in the midfield. Uh, the Bombers, I think they got uh, most of their score from from the midfield stoppages, which was quite unbelievable considering that's where the doggy strength is. And they just haven't quite got that ruck situation figured out. They'll probably bring in uh, Martin, I would suggest, if it, it being a cutthroat final. And that's just been a bit of a, a bugbear for the dogs um, sort of over the last few weeks. And yeah, it's just, it's been unfortunately catastrophic failure for the dogs to be premiership favorites round 20 top of the ladder and to then miss the top four, it's just um, quite unbelievable. They just haven't been able to play the way they want to play. Uh, I think the bombers will definitely challenge them quite significantly throughout the afternoon though. Um, for a winner, we might uh, I suppose discuss that pretty soon. And um, just before we wrap up the episode, but uh, yeah, look, going to be looking forward to this game. What a game it'll be. Chuck. Yeah, it, it'll be a pretty exciting game and it'd be a bit of a, a Jake Stringer Cup almost in, in a parallel, <laughs> world, parallel world. It could have been a Josh Dunkley Cup as well. But yeah, um, it, it's it's going to be an interesting game. I, I've i said, I was going to say last week I've said it, but, you know, it was two days ago that I was talking about the dogs and how I'd been believing in them. 
uh, for the past few weeks and going on about, oh, you know, everyone's been having their poor games. Everyone's been, you know, having that. Everyone's had their chances. And I've, I keep saying about the dogs and I keep backing in the talent that is that midfield that is so important. But then I go, well, actually, is it just a team with a midfield? Like their forward line, the ruck, Stefan Martin is so crucial to this side because it changes the dynamic of every other position. It means now that if English is in the forward line, it, it means that the ruck isn't going to be absolutely hammered away. I ne- they need to have Stefan Martin in the side. So that would help me give some more confidence in the dogs. I think without them, they won't win. I think they need Stefan Martin in the side, as I've already said a billion times. Um, but yeah, that, that midfield is so important. I don't know if it can get it done. The Bombers have all that confidence. Um, well, I guess we've said about the bomb. I've been saying, you know, they have the momentum, but obviously they have the momentum because they only just got into the eight. Technically, any team that won the last two rounds of those final six was going to have momentum because they only got into the eight because they won the games. Yeah. Technically, like Fremantle, we could have been saying had the momentum because they won their last two, but they lost, so they didn't get in. But, Shorty, um, sorry, Chuck. Yeah. Can, can oh. the Bombers repeat what they did a couple of weeks ago? Obviously, Wright's not necessarily going to kick seven, but can, can they repeat what they did and beat the Dogs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for sure they can. And they'll be drawing on uh, plenty of confidence from that, I think. But um, I guess my thoughts on the dogs are probably just a bit of a show of faith in what they've done over the stretch. I still, I don't know. You you know, when you think about finals and you just think about that hard edge of a side, I I just don't feel it with the Bombers. Um, Form would suggest that. So I guess it's depend uh, which way you want to look at it. Yeah, that, that's absolutely fair. And Chuck and, and Short, you're both correct. I think this is going to be a game that's you know well and truly up in the air. This one's probably one of the hardest ones to pick for me, but I do have a lot of faith, I guess, in the Bombers. I don't know where it's coming from, mm. but I'm just getting a strong feeling that the Bombers are going to buck this trend and you know they might bow out, that the dogs might, might win and get up and that would be good for them and they deserve it. But I just feel like the Bombers have got something special with the group and they look shot during the early stages of the, of the year. And there was questions about if the coaching handover was right and if it was worth it, Chuck. But I think I'm going to back the Bombers in this game. And unfortunately for the Dogs, there will be some questions mm-hmm. asked over the offseason with their uh, Frankenstein is- team that they bought. That is a big one, isn't it? Because they do have a lot on the line, obviously. Doggies if they were to go out after looking like premiership favorites, that would just be embarrassing as all hell. And Bombers obviously have finally snuck back into the finals and lose another final after all these losses would be pretty devastating for them as well. Mm. I have been a lover of the dogs for a while saying that they've had a good chance with, you know, the ins and, and the likes, but maybe, maybe the losses have gotten to them. And that pressure does build on what is still relatively kind of young side. There's still some youngsters in there that, that are crucial aspects of this side. Mentally, the losses will weigh on them. There's going to be, you know, a, a bit of fear in there almost. And the Bombers are going to have a lot to prove. They're going to be, you know, young guys keen to show, look, we've got the talent. We, we belong here. I almost think the Bombers could take it. And almost just the keyword. There, I'm changing it the last second. I'm going to say. Oh, he's done it. He's done it again. <laughs> <laughs> I still believe in the talent of that list. I was bagging them this entire spiel, but 
No, that <laughs> midfield, I can't get past how good their midfield is. Yeah. I know Parrish and Parish and Merritt are an awesome combination, but that's it. Fair no enough, Chuck. What are your uh, what's your um your quick tip on this game, Tislet? Yeah, really tough one. I think the dogs, though, with their body of work over the whole 2021 season, has been you know really prolific. And I mean, I think they're under the most pressure. They've lost their last three. They'll be doubting themselves. Uh, have they got the right mix? You know, is Bruce too big of an ask uh, to replace late in the season? That's obviously a, a massive out. He's kicked most of their goals, and all of a sudden, Norton's the main man. Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, I think the dogs, but just maybe it's a bit of blind faith there. Um, they've obviously finished up high. They were literally first not long ago. Bombers definitely have um, some great weapons, so and I don't think it's a repeatable performance with Peter Wright kicking seven and yeah, a bunch of them from outside fifty. But uh, happy to be proven wrong. I, I think the dogs just um, slightly safer for mine there. But um, shorty, yeah, what's your uh, thoughts to finish it, finish us off and take us home here, mate? Yeah, mate. Um, I'm with the dogs. Uh, probably made pretty clear throughout my comments. Like I said before, just uh, I know the form wouldn't suggest it, but I'm backing in. Um, a bit like Chuck said, that midfield, it's hard to get over. I'm just backing in what they've done over the course of the year and, and thinking that they can just um, absorb what they haven't done the last few weeks and bring it all together. So um, lots of pressure on them, though. Lots of pressure. Absolutely. And it's going to be... a an awesome first week of finals in a great final series all together. And thank you all boys for joining me. Shorty, good to have you back this week. Thanks for having me, gents. As always, thank you for being with me. And Chuck, you too. Beautiful. Thank Thank you you guys for listening all throughout the year, but make sure you're liking and subscribing to all of our content platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and the like. We'll have some (laughs) awesome content coming out throughout the final series. But until next week, you will hear from us then. Have a good week. See you later, guys. Have a great weekend, boys. Catch up.